gentlemen welcome back we have another episode of the fates fight the fates the frog and the fly whatever you want to call it at this point but we're back we will figure it out we soon oh, after a long hiatus how you doing bonomo i'm doing pretty good i mean no major incidents on the way here today that's good no geese <laughs> made it time? safely no good good sean how are you my man i'm doing all right that's good good to hear so, I, who are we talking about today, man? What we are, are going to talk about Aaron Burr. Ooh. He was an American politician, the third vice president of the United States, and he sounds like a pretty good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just only, from that sentence, we can trust him. I think so. The only thing I know about him is what I saw of him in Drunk History. I know that he shot <laughs> Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. That's all I know. So, I want to get started with the duel. So he had a duel with Alexander Hamilton, and this was basically because Alexander Hamilton had disgraced Burr's image, and there was only one way to fix it, have a duel. The ink was still drying on Alexander Hamilton's will that he wrote up the night before he was about to go in. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I have a really strong feeling I should fucking finish this will yeah <laughs> I have a real strong feeling yeah hamilton boarded a barge that set sail from manhattan to new jersey aaron burr awaited hamilton's arrival with his partner wp van ness the two started to clear out some of the underbrush so that there wasn't any shrubs and shit in the way <laughs> clear up this shit i'm gonna <laughs> fuck this dude up yeah, i'm waiting for him i know he's on a boat he's coming yep the stage was set and Hamilton got off the barge with Dr. Hozak and his friend and made their way to Weehawken, New Jersey. When he stopped upon the site, he greeted Burr in a professional manner. Ooh. So he's just like, hey, man, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't want to fight you. But he's like, I don't care. He's like, just get, you got 10 paces, man. Get out of my face before I load this thing. And the, the reason they had to go to Weehawken, New Jersey, because, you know, no one from Manhattan wants to go to Jersey. But... <laughs> They had to go there because it was illegal in New York to duel. Like, that was, like, the big political thing at the time. Like, they wanted uh, upper-class white guys to stop having duels. Why? Like, <laughs> why? Like, why can't two guys get together and, like, have a duel? Well, they saw it as, like, wasting, like, good professional men. Like, the lawyers, bankers, the people with honor were the only ones actually doing this. Yeah. Like, the trailer trash of the day weren't really dueling. But it's not a waste <laughs> if you act professional as you're doing it <laughs> these two are like fucking kids in school like i'm gonna meet you in jersey yeah four o'clock in front of the flag <laughs> pull, i'm gonna kick your ass they made their arrangements and they measured out 10 full paces apart from each other keeping this keeping this thing legit they each loaded their pistols with one another watching both men went as far as to practice which position they would start in The rules were yelled out loudly by a third party, and the rules were as follows. The parties being placed at their stations, the second who gives the word shall ask them if they are ready. Being answered in the affirmative, he shall say, present. After this party shall present and fire when they please. If one fires before the other, the opposite second shall say, one, two, three, fire. He shall fire or he will lose his fire. Now, it is not agreed upon to exactly the timing when the shooting started, but when the shot rang out, the bullet from Burr's gun made its way into Hamilton's stomach and lodged in his spine. Hamilton dropped to the ground, and instantly, his blood spilled into the dirt. All of this happened so fast, I couldn't really see who shot first, but I do believe that we have a clear and concise winner because there's a lot of blood on that side of the field. And there was, like, two really popular ways to duel back then. Like, the Southern style was that you would take turns shooting at each other. Like, so the first guy would shoot, 
and then the second guy would shoot, and he would flip a coin to see who would be the first person to shoot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because pistols weren't that accurate back then, so there could be multiple rounds of shooting. Could you imagine the brass balls on Southern Duelists? Like, <laughs> I'm an 18-time <laughs> duel winner. Well, they were more anal about their, uh, their honor and all that. Like, in the North, it was kind of just like, you just try to shoot at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> when this happened, Burr had an immediate look of regret on his face as he walked over to Hamilton as to see if his old friend was okay. Van Ness urged Burr to leave the grounds as quickly as possible. You better get out of here. This is going to get bad. The police are going to show. Don't catch a case. (laughs) (laughs) Alexander Hamilton sat cringed over on the ground, and he uttered and painfully spoke, This is a mortal wound, doctor. His eyes rolled back, and the breath left him. Dr. Hozak thought he had expired right there and then. But during the journey back to the barge, his breathing became sporadic again, and Hamilton muttered, My vision is indistinct. He made them aware he could no longer feel his legs. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me get... (laughs) What happened? (laughs) I can't see... Oh, my God. This is terrible. You've been shot, my friend. No, it's terrible. Who did this? I can't it's, feel my limbs. My legs are killing me. It's kind of like that trope in uh, like war movies and stuff. Like, I, I can't feel my legs. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Hamilton he started bl- it. bluntly told Dr. Hozak to take care of his pistol, making it known that it had not been discharged. Obviously, it had not been discharged because he's the only one lying there. And he just, the thing was still cocked back. Hamilton wanted it to be known that he had no intention of ever firing his gun at Burr. And uh, Hamilton was pretty well known for being against duels because his son actually had been killed in a duel in Weehawken, I think, four years before that. Wow. And his son was in his teens. He was, I think he was 19, so he was pretty young. It's that reckless stuff, man. Yeah. Fathers against dueling. <laughs> was that fad? I think I heard of that. There's a like, I remember my son. I will not follow in his footsteps. <laughs> Tell everybody I didn't load it. Tell him I didn't go out like a bitch. That's Tell what he wanted. He wanted to. He wanted to make them known that like he wasn't a bad guy. Like he wasn't gonna do this. Alexander would remain in agony until he finally passed away in his Manhattan home the following day. And since dueling had been declined in the northern states. After the American Revolution, he had most certainly, and it had most certainly been outlawed in New York and New Jersey, I think. Was it outlawed in New Jersey, too? It, or? it wasn't outlawed in New Jersey, but since uh, Hamilton died in uh, Manhattan, which is New York State, New York State filed charges against him. And oh. New Jersey tried to, too, but they tried to get him on, like, a misdemeanor, not actually dueling. Yeah. Like, I forget the exact charge, but both of them, like, dropped the charges pretty fast because they it would be hard to prosecute him. He was a pretty popular guy, actually. Well, he was vice president. He got, he got elected, so. <laughs> but he, uh, he fled to South Carolina because back then there was, like, no federal government to charge you, no federal courts. So if you just left the state, you could dodge charges. Ah. So he went, he went to go visit his daughter in South Carolina. <laughs> I got a charge for suspicion and mischief. What happened? He's dueling in New Jersey. <laughs> While he was vice president. So the vice president is charged by two states with crimes and just essentially leaves the area. And just got to get out of here. <laughs> disappears like a fart just in the colonial get out of yeah. <laughs> So let's go back to like when Aaron Burr was born. He was born in Newark, New Jersey, 1756. His father was Aaron Burr Sr., a Presbyterian minister and president of the College of New Jersey. That would be go, go on to become Princeton University. His mother was Esther Burr, daughter of the noted theologian jo- Jonathan Edwards. Oh, like John Edwards. Like the John Edwards? I don't think so. He, he, John Edwards was, uh, oh, Jonathan Edwards, was famous for uh, his speech, uh, A light, light Above on Top of the Hill. Like basically saying like America was an example for all other nations. Hmm. And uh, he was known for that? Yeah, that was like his big famous thing. That was his mixtape? Yeah, he kind of started like the myth of American exceptionalism. Like, Oh, so he's the reason we've we been can... balling hard for so long. Everyone should be impressed with us. So we can blame him for this shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this well, I, I was kind of looking into Jonathan Edwards a little bit, and basically her father studied the groundwork for many cults in America. And what I mean by that was he believed in the Great Awakening. 
And I was looking into this, and I think, like, the start of the Great Awakening pretty much branched off into, like, evangelists and, like, all that stuff. But, I mean, with any religion, those are just branches of, you know, you can make up whatever you want. I, I actually had a professor explain the Great Awakening to me. He said, like, it was pretty much uh, America going Super Saiyan, but religiously. <laughs> like, before we were just like, yeah, God's cool, and then we just went Super Saiyan with it. And God is amazing! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what these people do. They're like, I need to go out all out for God. <laughs> and uh, no, but seriously, the Great Awakening movement believed in equality for all races and religions, so they were pretty decent guys. Hmm. Burr also had an older sister, Sarah, a.k.a. Sally Burr. Aaron's parents died one year apart from each other, leaving him and his sitter orphans. Mm. He was only two years old. The children were given to the William Shippen family in 1759 until their 21-year-old maternal uncle came and saved them. What's up? I'm here to save you guys from this. <laughs> Just the cool uncle came over and yeah. like, I got you guys. Let's go. I heard you guys were getting, you know, the shit over here at this orphanage, but I came like Willy Wonka, save your lives. And uh, Hamilton and Bird, they kind of connected on being orphans because Hamilton was an orphan too. Really? Yeah, hmm. so they had that in common. That seems to be like a going trend. A lot of that is um, uh, orphaning at an early age in the colonial times. Yeah, a lot of the founding fathers were like friends in the beginning and then they all kind of like just started like hating each other because <laughs> so they got that money. Yeah, and uh, like it was pretty famous. Uh, Adams and Jefferson used to write in the paper that like uh, Adams was a hermaphrodite, <laughs> and it, it's real well known. They were like the best of friends, and then they just started hating each other for like twenty years. It's and like, same thing with Hamilton and Burr, just ripping each other. Like they would have been on Facebook. Like, yo, did you hear he's shit. a Holocaust denier? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Their uncle married and moved them to Elizabeth, New Jersey. Burr was admitted and became a sophomore at Princeton at age 13. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Super brain. Yeah. Was that like normal age for stuff back then or was that just like him being advanced? It's, it's still advanced, but it's not uncommon for like teenagers to get into college because uh, even as early as like the Civil War era, like, if you wanted to be a teacher, and I know Pennsylvania, I'm not sure about other states, you only had to go to school for two years. You go to a normal school, which is a college for teachers, like Westchester. Yeah. That was a two-year school for the longest time until maybe, like, the turn of the 20th century. Damn. So college was a lot different back then. You might only go for, like, three or four semesters. You weren't going for four years. Wow. Yeah, until they made it a scam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking losing all our money. Yeah. Oh, no, you guys have to be here for 40% of a decade. Follow our sister podcast. This ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> it took him three years to get his bachelor degree in the arts, and at age 19, he moved to Connecticut to study law. Word had reached Connecticut of British troops at Lexington and Concord. Oh, that's when shit started popping off. He was in college. <laughs> CCR started playing. <laughs> About 700 British Army regulars were given secret orders to destroy colonial military supplies stored by Massachusetts militia at Concord. Patriot leaders re received word that their supplies might be at risk some of the riders that delivered the warnings were none other than Samuel Prescott and Paul Revere. Small skirmishes broke out, and eventually the British had to march back to Boston. It's funny that you mentioned Samuel Prescott, because I have very little historical knowledge. But I know, yeah. that, I know that Prescott, he was the dude who went farther and faster than Paul Revere. Am I right? Yeah, well... Paul Revere was, like, more well-known because, uh, like, under British uh, colonial law, you couldn't, like, you couldn't smelt metal to make a shovel. You had to buy the shovel from Britain. So Paul Revere was a well-known silversmith, and he used to milt, uh, mint his own coins to be circulated in the colonies. Damn. And actually, one of the reasons we left uh, Great Britain that's not well-known is uh, they never had money for us. So actually, if you look at, like, old leases from, like, Philadelphia— from like around this time, people were paying rent in bushels of apples because <laughs> no one had silver coins to actually use. So they would uh, trade with the Spanish to get the silver coins, and people like Paul Revere would like 
changed the mint on him, so it wasn't so obvious. That's when Johnny Appleseed used to be like the richest guy in town. That's like yeah. fucking growing his own apple trees. What's up? I'm the fucking bank. <laughs> he was like a drug dealer back then. And I actually went to go. Uh, I visited Paul Revere's house in Boston. And I, would, I took the uh, tour of the museum. I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Nice old house. Uh, here's these spoons. Take a look at these spoons. <laughs> I'm like, I need to get out of here. What the fuck? <laughs> I traveled so far for fucking spoons. In, in college, I had to read a paper about a guy who studied uh, Dutch smoking pipes from like New Netherlands for 10 years. And then he wrote a paper about it. Is there any <laughs> interesting information you could probably uh, behest to me for smoking pipes? <laughs> is there anything I might want to? As know? tobacco got cheaper, the pipes got bigger. That sounds. That was like right. his big conclusion. It's like that's all you need. Duh. Profound. <laughs> oh, he. They stayed under heavy fire from the militias until they reached the safety of Charleston, Charlestown, and Aaron Burr would decide it was time to join the Continental Army. And this was after the attack. Yeah, in this was after he uh, knew all this stuff was going down, and he's like, "I gotta get in this fight." Nice. And uh, you might see this in, like, some of the tourist traps in, uh, like, Charleston and stuff. They'll sell you that, like, the tree bumper sticker. Okay. It's like the palmetto tree. It's, like, the, the like, symbol for the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Charleston got attacked, the, like, main fort uh, that was getting shelled by the British, the walls had been made with palmetto trees, and they were kind of, like, rubbery. So the, the cannonballs wouldn't, like, smash into it. They would kind of bounce off. Oh, my God. <laughs> A little, like, rubber fort. Yeah. <laughs> He took part in Colonel Benedict Arnold's expedition to Quebec, leaving with 1,100 troops to lead a two-pronged attack with Richard Montgomery taking another group. They trekked around 300 miles through rough terrain with violent waterways. By the time they made it there, they had been reduced to 600 men. Oh, my God. So that was his first like little expedition that he went on, which just half of them died where's everybody else <laughs> uh, back back there i don't fucking know they couldn't <laughs> swim back there somewhere you know. after benedict took note of burr's great spirit and resolution during the march he sent him up to the saint lawrence river to contact general montgomery the general made him a captain and aide to the camp nice. so he got instantly like rewarded just for up. being like a happy guy <laughs> Hey, man, you don't seem like losing 600 people really made your day worse. So here you go. Captain status. When the Battle of Quebec broke out, the Americans suffered heavy losses against British loyalists. General Richard Montgomery was killed and Burr did everything he could to recover his corpse. (laughs) I'm not coming back without him. (laughs) I don't care. I think he wanted to, like, get him stuffed or something. (laughs) It's like, this is my hero. I need him with me. I need him on the mantle. <laughs> I need to consult with him. But I couldn't really find anything else about, like, what, like, what happened with him recovering the corpse. I guess he just didn't do it. <laughs> he talked about it a lot. Enough for it to be in a book. He probably told everybody, I'm going to get it. I'm going to find it. Yeah, it was just like to increase his myth. Like, I tried. <laughs> I'm a good guy. Aaron took up a position under George Washington in the spring of 1776 in Manhattan, but quit after two weeks to return to the battlefield. Burr was promoted to lieutenant colonel in 1777, and in 1778, his regiment was getting killed in the Battle of Monmouth, New Jersey. And during this battle, it was just too rough for him. He, the, the heat, the sun... He he suffered a he just suffered a heat stroke. Oh, they're the worst. Have you ever had like a, a heat stroke? No, you <laughs> gotta stay exhaustion. hydrated. That's the key to success is to stay hydrated. He and, for, he brought his guns, he brought everything else, and he just forgot water. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I forgot water. Damn it. Yeah, Monmouth was a big battle in the Revolutionary War, and uh, the commander of the battle, like the general, I forget his name, but uh, they suspected that he was a loyalist in hiding. Because he made some like really stupid decisions on the battlefield, like he just advanced up to the British and just like let them mow them mow him down. And this was Burr. He thought he was a. Oh no no, this wasn't Burr. This is another general. He was only a captain at the time, so uh, it kind of wasn't Burr's fault. Like that battle went to went to shit. But 
he was associated with it. So <laughs> for a little bit, like his reputation was tarnished. And he probably was not a fan of that. No. Nah. This guy sounds. <laughs> so he's having like pretty traumatic experiences just like starting off here. And his health was on the decline. And in March 1779, he was forced to retire from the Continental Army. Key word is forced here. They're like, please, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Captain Burke, you cannot keep doing I must this. go on. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm going to keep going. I don't care. Resuming his study in law, he could not resist. And by July of the same year, only four months later, he gathered a group of Yale students and had a skirmish with the British and halted their advance. <laughs> Yo, what are you guys doing after class? <laughs> what are you guys doing after class? Well, we're not planning on doing anything. Well, I see some British... And there's not enough bullets in them, so we're going down the road. We're gonna fuck them up. Yeah, he would have. He would have started like one of these like uh, like things they start today, like walkouts. Yeah, with like, muskets. Yeah, and shit. but he's like, load up. We're Everybody. going to fucking kill some the people. Fucking walkout. Everybody's going. <laughs> Highly frowned upon today. Highly like, frowned upon. <laughs> Giving a bunch of students a bunch of guns. Well, it, it wasn't that hard to probably uh, get them to be on his side. Because, like, the, during this time, a lot of the college students were, like, for the Revolutionary War. And uh, they would erect, like, liberty poles, which was like a—they uh, would put a cap on a pole. And it was, like, called a Phrygian cap. And that's what uh, free Romans used to wear. Like, once you got out of slavery, you could wear this cap, and it would make sure that no one else would, like, grab you up and think you're an escaped slave. So it was, like—it was basically their way of doing, like, a political statement. Yeah, they were always the protesting using that. And uh, a lot of times the British would, like, make them cut down the pole or burn it. You imagine these dudes like they're walking through Yale and they're like, "Oh shit, don't Aaron Burr live around here?" <laughs> They've put caps on the poles. <laughs> despite being never really like, despite never really stepping away from the action, he was able to finish his degree and was admitted to the bar in Albany, New York, 1782. He married Theodosia Prevost. And moved to Wall Street with her five children. Full stop. Let Damn. me just say something. <laughs> Hang on. This dude never walked away from the war. So he was like, like, that's, we just got out of school. We just graduated school. Could you imagine someone saying to you, hey man, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to go fuck up some British soldiers and then I'm going to go on a date with my girlfriend <laughs> with her five kids. Like, I don't want to hear anybody ever tell me ever again that they don't have enough time. <laughs> Now, her name is kind of weird. It's either Theodosia or Theo... I think it's Theodosia. I'm not really sure. She's probably... It, it probably relates to something Greek, so... Let's just call her Theo. I like Theo. Yeah. Miss Theo. So call me now. Theo was a widow, and her first husband was part of the King's Royal Rifle Corps, a.k.a. the Royal Americans, and that's an outfit for the British Army. <laughs> He was railing her for America. I was yeah, like, his ghost is like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was my line in the sand. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> A couple months before she even met Burr, she invited George Washington to come to her home. And he accepted. Hmm. Now, no one knows what went on in that house. To be a That night. Well, George Washington was a ginger, so if he had an illegitimate kid, it'd be really hard to hide. <laughs> Bunch of also, Washingtons he was... running around. <laughs> <laughs> also, he was sterile, so he was, you know. Really? Yeah, George Washington. Well, no, nah, this was after she had her kids. This was right before they met. Oh. So, like, uh, yeah, I think it was a couple. It was, yeah, it was a couple months. So, like, um, she was she was all about just going against what her family believed. And I think her uncle was part of the British Army, too. So she was like, they were they were loyalists. Yeah, that's a hell of a statement, inviting bin Laden in your house, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in the eyes yeah. there, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And her and, first and, husband. And it's crazy that he actually accepted. And he, it became Washington's headquarters, even though the house was technically still owned by her first husband and was at risk to be confiscated at any moment. Are you sure I can stay here? Listen, first <laughs> off, fuck my husband. Second, I'd love it if you stayed wait, here. Wait, wait, I hear someone coming. Get in the closet, get in the closet. <laughs> yeah, quick, hold quick, on, quick. hold on, take the desk. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Washington, you need to hide. Here, take your quill. <laughs> Aaron and Theo only had one child together that lived to adulthood. She was named Theo after her mother. 
There are talks that Burr fathered two illegitimate children with an East Indian woman who was a servant in the his Philadelphia household. Yeah, (laughs) so I'm talking about. Banging whores. Everybody. <laughs> Pulling at uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dude, it, look, if you're from Philly or if you're hanging out in Philly in the 17th century, you're banging whores. If, if Franklin taught me anything, you're just banging good whores. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? There's not like there's no TV. You're just bored. So What are you going to do? Look at the Declaration of Independence? I don't think yeah. there was a South Street then. Here. <laughs> I want this colored woman. There you go. <laughs> I want mm, something about her. I don't Et- know. Ethnic but non-threatening. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> and no sources suggest that he acknowledged them as his kin. Oh, So he's just like, uh, they're not mine. I'm in the middle of a custody battle. Custody is trying to be placed <laughs> upon me, and that is not cool. <laughs> Mr. Burr, you have to feed these children. I'll have to do shit. <laughs> Burr got serious into politics when he served for the New York State Assembly from 1784 to 1785. And then in 1789, he was appointed New York State Attorney General. He tried his luck and ran for president in 1796. He came in fourth behind John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Thomas Pickney with 30 votes. Burr was shocked by these standing. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I just entered as a joke. What? I got British bullets in my ass, and I only got 30 votes. I got heat stroke for you assholes. I'm the reason y'all motherfuckers are here. He ran again in the 1800 election, but this time he ran as vice president. Garnishing votes in Thomas Jefferson's behalf, Aaron was a key player in New York politics, aligning himself with the Tammany Society that became Tammany Hall. Which was a very clean outfit. Nothing weird happened. <laughs> oh, you, you seem to you seem to know more, Sean. The Tammany outfit. Oh, they're like known as like the most corrupt political machine How that ever existed. How dare you <laughs> <laughs> talk about our forefathers like that? Like yeah, we, what what were they really? What was Tammany like all about? Well, uh, back in that day, like uh, as soon as you got off the boat, you could vote. Like, really? Yeah, like uh, if you were. Like gangs in New York, when they're like, yeah. the people were showing up, they're like, you're going to vote today, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. So Tammany Hall would have like a line of like Irish immigrants coming through, and he's like, all right, you're a police officer now. Uh, you're a construction worker, and you're going to work on like City Hall for like 15 years, and it's going to cost like $5 million more than it should. <laughs> so they would just like take government contracts and give it to people that would vote for them. So like they were like the first political machine, really. And like Philadelphia had a similar machine. But we were usually the opposite party of New York, so that's like where the rivalry kind of started too. He was in gags in New York, wasn't? Wasn't he in character in that? There was a person yeah. named Tammany. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what he was. That's what they. Oh, were he was an actual about. person. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in that. Yeah, so he he would align himself with new immigrants because they could vote right away. So yeah, that's what he was all about in the movie. A hot yeah. bowl of soup, gun in the hand. Exactly, and uh, it worked out for him. <laughs> <laughs> For somebody. In September 1799, Burr was accused of taking a bribe from the Holland Company in exchange for his political influence. The accuser was a man by the name of John Barker Church. Cheese eater. Telling people what his <laughs> business is. Freaking rat. The men decided the best way to settle the dispute was to have a duel. I'm I'm feeling a trend from this Burr character. <laughs> it just loves a good duel. And uh, I kind of forgot this earlier, but the uh, in the Revolutionary War, George Washington campaigned really hard and eventually outlawed dueling between like the officers, because so many of the Fuck officers him. they were off in each other because they would have little disputes. And <laughs> the army was very political even before like the party started. So it, some of this rivalries carried over after the war. Could you imagine that? Yo, I'm out long dueling. Fuck you. Let's duel about that. No, it's already been done. No, man. One more. I want one more shot. Church and Burr showed up to the location, fired once at each other. They both missed, and Church thought it would be a good idea to just apologize. Wait. Hang on. Wait. Hang on. Three, two, one. Poof. Just... Uh, Yo, man, I'm sorry. I, in, re- I, in retrospect, this is stupid. I fucking heard the thing. I heard it. It was like a marble going like 90 miles an hour past my head. Whatever we were fighting about, I don't care, man. 
Burr took the higher road and accepted the apology, and the two men shook hands. And they want to outlaw dueling. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't always like a guaranteed you're going to get killed or something, because like, I can't exaggerate how bad pistols shoot, shot back then. Like, you could be 10 paces away, and it would just like... like the accuracy go... on pistols was pretty bad? Yeah, even pistols today aren't that accurate. Like, the barrel's really small, so the bullet doesn't spin a lot. There's not much rifling. Okay. And even back then, there was no rifling, so it kind of was just a marble. It was getting, like, there was an explosion behind it, and it's just the, flying. The guy giving the rules gets hit <laughs> when he's, yeah. like, standing <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Son of a bitch! Yeah, usually it was, uh, your, your second was, like, the guy who would, uh, argue the terms of the duel for you, and, uh, usually they would just ne ne negotiate, like, uh, a piece with honor like both of them would just like walk away from it, it was like oh no I, I didn't really mean that and then they would just and that is the invention of the timeout and fighting yeah. time out <laughs> time out well it was like the the hype men would just have the rap battle and the rappers would just sit back kind there of. we go <laughs> there was one more weird thing about that little fiasco and that was church's wife was the sister of alexander hamilton's wife the beef started there it's like two degrees of separation back then. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Well, there's only like 30 people with money in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> like... Also in 1799, Burr founded the Bank of the Manhattan Company, and he did this under false pretense. He solicited support from Alexander Hamilton by telling him and the other Federalists that it would become a water company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah flowing with cash how do you yeah. go from that to that like you're just like I, like i don't even know like how you're putting that cover up like he just said fuck it and build a bank yeah. <laughs> mr. mr burr we gave you about four hundred thousand dollars for this kickstarter and you've created an opium den you said it was gonna be an observatory Observing people getting high on a... That's right, man. I just want this money. I want to watch this money flow. Yeah, he dropped any plan of creating the badly needed water company and only included banking in the charter. This dude's pulling a Flint, Michigan in like the 1700s. <laughs> He's like, nah, they don't need water. They're all right. Drink from the pond. Historians suggest that this caused delay on the building of a safer water system for Manhattan and led to the increase in deaths during the malaria epidemic. <laughs> that was kind of an oversight on my part there, yeah, Mr. Burr. A lot of scams like that weren't uncommon back then because there was like no way to vet people. And uh, there's no, like no criminal background checks. There's no credit scores to look at. So you kind of just like had to take people at their word. Like uh, Robert E. Lee's father, uh, Henry Lee, he was a Revolutionary War hero. And he lost all of his money buying land that didn't exist. Like, there was a lot of land speculators. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I kicked out this Indian tribe. You want to buy some land there? Let let nobody write your checks. <laughs> you hear me, Mr. Lee? Uh, yes, yes. Now, going back to the 1800 election when he was trying to get Thomas Jefferson elected, word on the street was Burr was really trying to block Jefferson and take the votes for himself. <laughs> So he's like going around like, like here, just write your name on this piece of paper while he's holding his hand over the top of whose name it is. <laughs> Dude, it's like, I mean, think about it. Not many people could read in the 1800s. That was yeah. kind of like a luxury. He's like, look, just sign right here. He's like, well, I know what a B looks like. <laughs> Jefferson doesn't have a B in his name. Listen, I promise you some water when that gets open. Just yeah. sign your name. <laughs> you want clean water? <laughs> yeah. Uh since people couldn't read, they would actually go to, like, bars and stuff to hear people, like, read the newspaper to everybody in the bar. Like, the one guy that could read would read to everybody. Oh, I wish we still had that today. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, you going, you going to so-and-so's for Harry Potter later? <laughs> yeah. I'm really hooked, man. I'm on chapter The guy's yeah. living room. He's in there, like, just going. Yeah. Now, when Thomas took office, he did not trust Burr in the least bit. He was effectively shut out of party <sighs> matters. Yeah, Burr was like the, uh, from what I've read, like he, his personality was he would never publicly declare where his allegiances were usually. So there was a lot of speculation around like what he was doing because he was like very secretive. So like he was friendly with everybody, but nobody was like best friends with him. He was like the Snape. He was like Snape. Yeah. <laughs> he was like fucking Snape. Yeah. Again, second Harry Potter reference. <laughs> Don't care, but he was like Snape. So Jefferson had these inklings that he was trying to get around them but like burr would never it wasn't his personality to come out and be like nah dude i got your back i'm not actually like trying to 
snake around you. There's votes on my own. <laughs> Do not worry about your votes. It was apparent that Jefferson would drop her from the 1804 ticket, so he jumped ship after his turn and ran for governor in New York. Burr suffered a defeat that was the largest deficit in state's history that's at a, that time. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Everyone's just like, no. This, this is the worst vote possibly <laughs> in forever. This is not me. I don't care. Well, this it's kind of like me. when Chris Christie was getting buddy-buddy with Trump, and then he was like, I'm not appointing you to anything. Yeah. Exactly. Get out of here. I'm yeah, going to point yeah. you to this beach. You can have a seat there. Just sit down. Yeah, just help me out, man. Just this is my I little... got you. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Goes now get off the beach. <laughs> <laughs> he blamed this embarrassment on party rivals which included Alexander Hamilton. Ooh. Aaron demanded that Hamilton apologize for slurring his image. Hamilton refused and Burr challenged him to the duel. Yo, heard you talking shit, man. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my name. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And we all know what that led to. Oh, yeah. After his term of vice president was finally up in 1805, Burr started off on a whole new world. He made his way to the western frontier. He would go on to lease 40,000 acres of land known as the Bastrop Tract. Now, I don't really understand too much of why, like, like this air, what he got with this area. Like, did he actually pay or? Yeah, he actually bought it from the Spanish government. This is before. uh, Everyone knows we bought Louisiana from the French, but actually the Spanish owned it and they gave it to France for one day and France sold it. (laughs) (laughs) Because. (laughs) What the fuck? do with louisiana <laughs> yo we sold it man you didn't say we couldn't sell it like spain knew but th- they were still tiffed because like uh napoleon was so hard up for money he just sold it for like pennies on the dollar and he's like the british got me stuck on the continent i can't get over there so just sell it to america they're gonna try and steal it anyway he's on the phone with his agent well what do they want for it <laughs> i don't care yo i'm my horse i ate my horse man i'm dying get me them ducats <laughs> now burr had a plan Some of the details do remain hazy, but from what I can gather, Burr tried to raise a small army in the frontier to fight a war with Spanish territories in Texas and Mexico. Uh, Well, it wasn't too uncommon for later on. He's kind of the precursor to, like, uh, what are called filibusters. And they're people that are usually Americans. Uh, I think some Canadians did this, but, you know, they they suck at war. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We're sorry. But uh, a lot of Americans would, like, seek their fortune in the West, but land, you had to buy it from the federal government. Like, the, after the Revolutionary War, uh, the federal government said they have a monopoly on buying land from Indians. So you had to buy it from the government, which is at a markup. Or you could try and raise a small army and go into, like, Spanish territory and try and take a small slice of Florida and yeah. make a new country, <laughs> in quotes. <laughs> That's awesome. Now... What would be the reason a man would do such a thing? He wanted to become emperor of his own Western nation, just like you said. <laughs> he wanted to be a king. Good, good. I'm yes. taking. I'm gonna take all these Mexicans, all these Spaniards, all these African Americans, and build my own nation to get away from you white people. I'm telling you, this dude sounds. I just more made more. that up. So <laughs> <laughs> your story's been over. Uh, he sounds like a like a cokehead. He's like, I just shot a president. You think I care? I just shot a dude on a money bill. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of filibusters would like their argument would be like uh, the people that live under Spain or France. They're used to kings. Like, I'll just come in. I'll just slide in. Like, their king's like six hundred, you know, miles away. They need somebody who's closer. They need a local king. Yeah. That's like when you want to talk to someone, like, I want to speak to a local representative. <laughs> okay, well, stop calling the T-Mobile hotline and go to the goddamn store two miles down the road and talk to someone there. We have a store full of lo- local representatives. There we go. <laughs> there aren't many better ideas when you have murder charges from killing one of the founding fathers of the United States over your head than take over the world so you can't get in trouble. <laughs> Yo, dude, we can't, you can't have this land. Well, why not? 
um, you see that dude's name on that thing that founded <laughs> our country? Yeah. Well, you killed him. <laughs> He's not here anymore because you shot him. And he wasn't crazy for thinking he could get away with this, too. He had, like, a lot of uh, people that were helping him out. Like, there was this one uh, Irish immigrant. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, <laughs> Blander Hassets. Herman. Sounds right to me. Well, he owned an island in the Ohio River in between um, Ohio and I think West Virginia. And he told Burr, he's like, you can, you can arm, I'll help you arm your 80 guys and they can train on my little island, my little like Dr. Mengele retreat <laughs> <laughs> or uh, whatever that movie is. But, uh, Dr. Mangle yeah. was from World War II. I know, yeah, that sounded way worse. He's <laughs> making super soldiers. <laughs> but yeah, he was, so he's like, uh, you can train people on my like little private island we got going on. And uh, eventually, like, the Ohio militia took the island from him, the Irish immigrant, and burned down all the structures on the island because he was, like, such an eccentric guy, and everybody was, like, kind of threatened by him. <laughs> like, they didn't know what was going on the island, and he had a crazy accent. They didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I bought an island in the middle of the water, and I'm going to be arming troops for it. Yeah. <laughs> be ready for the drop of dawn because I'm coming for you, lad. <laughs> you want to make your own nation, I'll be part of your nation. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron floated his he floated his idea to Louisiana and other territories that might have considered to secede from the United States. And during these campaign campaigns, he made contact with British minister named Anthony Mary. Mary passed Burr's message along, stating that he would give assistance to His Majesty in any matter which they think may be fit to employ him. And this, it, it wasn't a bad idea for him to contact the British because the British still had um, forts in American land at that time. Like, they never left these forts after the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. So they had troops stationed in the West, like where we had bought the Louisiana Purchase. And uh, Britain had owned Florida for, like, close to 100 years, I believe. And Spain took it from them during the Revolutionary War. They made a bunch of brigades in Louisiana and attacked the British forts in um, Florida, which kind of helped us because it, like, distracted the British for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, the Spanish mostly used uh, Acadians, which is today Cajuns. They're, like, the French people. They originally lived in, like, Nova Scotia, and the British, like, starved them, put them in camps, and then kicked them out into Louisiana. Dang. So they were really pissed. So as soon as the Spanish were like, hey, we need some people to fuck up some British people, they're like, we got you, man. I'm coming down there and help y'all. I didn't talk like this before I was up there. They came here and took me off my land. I'm going to beat your ass. You give me a musk out. Go down there and whoop on me out here. Just show me that damn record. Bad ass. You don't fart, no fart. Whoop a tree, I'll kill them down. You show me the money, I'll kill it down. Florida's been a mess ever since. And Florida's been that way ever since. So Britain never took him up on this offer. <laughs> yeah, hard pass, Mr. Burr. <laughs> hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> Though Burr was quite successful in acquiring allies that mostly consisted of frontier politicians and adventurers, his most important ally would be a high-ranking officer in the U.S. Army by the name of General James Wilkinson. What a fucking character <laughs> Wilkinson is. <laughs> he, he's actually, like, in my top ten of favorite, like, scoundrels from the past <laughs> he's on the he's on the hot 100 huh yeah because he just he did whatever he wanted give me give me one of the most <laughs> what what happened can we can you we hear got any like here? early like how like early info on wilkinson like what like what he well he fought in the revolutionary war and he was an okay general and then uh later on after these events he actually commanded a lot of the army groups in um uh the War of 1812, but he kind of got his ass handed to him by the British a lot. <laughs> so he wasn't a great... He tries. That's but, it. He tries his best. Yeah, I read a whole book about how the, the politics of the army at the, during the Revolutionary War in this time, and I can't emphasize enough how political it was. Like, your promotions were based on how friendly you were with the guy above you and how well you, like, towed the party line. Oh, so it's like corporate structure now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Silicon Valley and stuff. It's like... How progressive are you? Yeah. How, <laughs> how, how much do you like me? Because that will make me like you more to give you a promotion. And that's probably why Hamilton wanted to, like, get his old commander's body in Montreal. Because he's like, this guy 
is the only reason I got promoted because yeah, he was yeah. like my patron. He kind of helped me out. Yeah, he loved him. Like if Trump went down right now, like I'd fucking just gone taxidermy him. his ass in my <laughs> living room. My God, I've been hit. Someone take my body. <laughs> Somebody well, like me. Actually, probably the, the fountain of youth is Diet Coke because he drinks like 12 a day. So, <laughs> You see this? Mind of a steel trap. 18 yeah, I mean, Diet Cokes a day. He doesn't look that old, but he, he's actually the oldest president we've ever had when, it, when he was elected. That really? Yeah, he beat out uh, Reagan by a couple days. Wow. <laughs> uh, like when all this shit was going on, it was talked about in the Philadelphia newspapers. Headlines wrote about how Burr was the head of a revolution party and engaged in the reduction of Mexico with aid of British ships and forces. So everyone knew what was going on, and it was like his his uh, image was just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And uh, like at this time, we were having like border disputes with, uh, well, Mexico was under Spain at this time, so it was really with Spain, but it was Mexican territory. Because mm-hmm. uh, we didn't know where the territory ended for Louisiana, we argued it was all the way over to like where El Paso is today, like Texas. Yeah. Because the French had ruled that at one point. So if it's we bought it from the French, we bought the French's claim, we should have it all the way to like Texas. And the Spanish were arguing, No, you bought what we held and we never held Texas and that was never part of Louisiana. Texas is part of Mexico, so you can't have it. So people have been fighting over invisible lines for 200 years. Yeah, and it was really shaky yeah, back then. Longer than that. Survey, surveying wasn't that accurate back then. <laughs> but since the start of humans, there was a guy with a cave that like expanded too long into the mountain, and like someone else tried to take it. Some dude was like, "You see that cave?" It's all yeah. about like trying to act like like. Uh, it's all about this property shit for forever. And it still is like right now, just with your neighbor's got a fucking tree growing onto your lawn yeah. and you want him to cut it, but he won't. And it's hanging over. So you just fucking cut it anyway and say, fuck that guy. So mm-hmm. how's your day going? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. This fucking tree. <laughs> Land disputes. Yeah. Burr sent a letter to Wilkinson talking about how his plan has already started and everything was going to be all hand jobs and rainbows from here on out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I got a letter that said hand jobs and rainbows, I'm in. Done in. so. In an old fashioned and rainbows? Hell yeah. Wilkinson feared that the plan would fail, so he just said, Let me save my ass and report this to Thomas Jefferson before I get caught too. <laughs> Wait, wait. So he, hang on. Let me just, I'm going to put this all together here. Mm-hmm. So, Burr, my man, I'm going to create my own country. I've got the scalliest of scallywags. <laughs> I've got some of the biggest miscreants in political history. This thing's kind of coming off the rails. <laughs> Let me just tell the president. Yeah. And I'm going to get in front of this. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, Jefferson ordered that Burr and other ringleaders be found and arrested immediately. Burr planned to gather his forces, but when he showed up, they only had around 100 men. He put the men in boats and sailed them down the Mississippi. Planning to get away with it, this is when he got the news of Wilkinson's betrayal. Making his last-ditch effort to escape was unsuccessful. So they got like a hundred dudes on a boat. He's like, man, what the fuck? Yeah, he's kind of ballsy because like uh, I've read about like the border dispute around this time with like the Texas Louisiana thing, and uh, Spain actually took like a thousand of their good troops from the like Spanish uh, peninsula and put them over there on the border. They put a, about a thousand troops, so they weren't just like militia. They were actually like professional troops from Spain. The SEAL Team okay. Six of Spain. They're, they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture it as like the militia in like Oregon right now, like those like groups. That's I think and that's I, what Burr had. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Burr had like a group like that, a bunch of fucking guys that didn't know what they were talking about. So what? Are we some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> in 1807, Burr was captured in Alabama, then sent to Virginia to face trial for treason. Thomas Jefferson demanded that Burr be charged. And if he was, this offense was punishable by death. Now, it sounds like Jefferson didn't like Burr. 
I'm assuming that's because no, maybe he, hated, he never trusted him. He, because he yeah. stole the votes. And yeah. In, the election of 1800, they actually, like, tied for electoral votes. They were both at 73. So it actually went to the House of Representatives to see who would become president. And they had to vote 33 times because they kept getting deadlocked Holy between shit. Burr and Jefferson. And they thought Jefferson was kind of a radical. Like, he was preaching, like, uh, we need to take the land out the West and have it with small farmers and stuff like that. And we don't need a central bank. So, like, Hamilton's crew thought he was, like, a radical. He was crazy. We don't, we don't want him to be in office. But Hamilton hated Burr. So he actually went a- against his party. And on the 34th vote, Hamilton gave his vote to Jefferson to make him president. Wow. Just to spite Hamilton. Imagine if, <laughs> or, Burr, uh, Burr. <laughs> if Burr won it, he would have been emperor. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also, well, were there terms yet at this? I don't, there was no presidential terms, right, for length of time yet? Or was no, that? Yeah, that was after uh, FDR. So, like, yeah, he could have just, Burr would have just took over shit and never and, gave it up. Uh, all the founding fathers, like, really loved ancient Roman history and Greek history. And in a lot of Roman history, like, during the Republic and stuff, um, a lot of generals would be out on the frontier because you weren't allowed to have a standing army near Rome, so you couldn't take over. So they would send all their good generals out to the frontier, and there was this general called Sulla, and he was fighting in Britain, which was really, like, rough fighting because the Scottish... You see in some movies, they used to paint themselves blue, and they would, like, ambush the Roman legions. Braveheart. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, they thought the Scots were crazy. And actually, the Roman Empire was afraid of, like, redheaded men because they were dealing with Scotland and, and England for yeah, so much. Yeah, they're demons. Yeah. And uh, so Sulla got a real big following because he was, like, beating these really uh, hard-to-fight tribes in Scotland. And he got really popular. So he came back to Rome and actually, like, took it over. He actually beat the other Roman legions and became, like, a uh, ruler for a little bit. So... uh George Washington, everybody else was really scared of any general getting too popular out on the frontier and getting a following and coming back to D.C. and taking over. Just amassing an army, similar to what Burr was trying to do here. Yeah, so the, there was kind of a hysteria, like, we need to get this guy and get some charges on him. Yeah, and make him an example kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. we don't want a Sulla. Yeah, we don't want Sulla. <laughs> so when Burr made it, to the court, the only evidence was a letter he wrote to Wilkinson, and in the letter was a description of how he planned to steal land in the Louisiana Purchase. Now, this would have been incriminating evidence, but for some reason, the letter had been written in Wilkinson's <laughs> own handwriting. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Well, who wrote it? Oh, well, I did. Wilkinson, you can't... <laughs> but it's a copy. It's merely a copy. I just... Had to, there's a real copy as well. I just... He doesn't just rat people out. He produces fake evidence on everybody. Yeah, so he, like... he That's what he said. He said he lost the original, so he wrote another one. It sounds like the Book of Mormon all over again. <laughs> like, I lost the original, so I wrote this one. It's better than the first one. Yeah, it's, it's just more... It's, it's, it's just more descriptive. <laughs> Look, he called you a... He called you a dick, Jefferson. He said it in this draft. He called you a <laughs> dick. He called you an ass face right here in the third paragraph. If that's not treason, I don't know what is. <laughs> so... So, uh, yeah, people think, like, he rewrote this thing just to cover his own tracks. And, like, took stuff out that would uh, incriminate himself. The jury threw the letter out as evidence, and Wilkinson became a laughingstock for the rest of the trial. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Wilkinson? Yo, leave me alone, man. Oh, what, you're going to copy that somewhere? What are you going (laughs) to say to me? Go ahead. Now, I got, like, info here saying that Wilkinson was a spy for the Spanish Empire the whole time, and in secret, and they called him... The number 13. Ooh. Yeah, he, and he wasn't just like a, a like a spy for them. Like He even like made bold claims to like keep him on the payroll because they were giving him a ton of money on like the side. I love it. Because wow. at the time, the, the army wasn't really prestigious back then. It was really small and, the, and kind of pushed to the frontier to like keep him away from D.C. So it was kind of like where uh, if you had a political rival, you'd be like, all right, you want to be a colonel of militia? And then you'd send him out west. So he couldn't like run against you in your home state. Wow. So uh, that's probably why Wilkinson was looking for you know money on the side. And uh, he was telling Spain he could convince uh, the people in Kentucky and Tennessee to secede from the Union and come to the Spanish uh, Empire. 
And that is so ridiculous uh, because back then there was so much anti-Catholic sentiment. We almost didn't do the Louisiana Purchase because like there were so many uh, Spanish and French Catholics out there. Mm. And they were saying like they could never be proper uh, participants in a democracy because they they listen to the, the Pope and everything he says. Oh, so wow. they already have like a figurehead and they wouldn't be able to vote democratically. That's the idea. Like even JFK faced some of this like ideas. Like he had to like go on TV and say like, yes, I am a Catholic, but I don't have like a hive mind with the Pope. Trust me, I do not touch little boys. I want you all to understand something. I am a Catholic man, but I do believe in sleeping around and I intend to do so my entire term. Without protection. All the time. Slam it out of the box. So with this letter completely thrown out the window, the only other way to convict Burr was to use an overact. But this called for two witnesses to testify against him and none came forward. Yeah, it was kind of odd they they tried to try him in Virginia because during the election of 1800, uh, Burr and Jefferson's party was the Democratic-Republicans. They won the South. like uh, They won like every state in the South at this point. So Virginia voted for Burr, essentially, when he was trying to run for vice president and president. So mm. it's weird they chose that state to prosecute him in. They wanted to. I guess they probably wanted to besmirch him in the place he was most prominent. Yeah. I, if you think about it, like Just stick it to him. Yeah. Oh, they like him in Virginia. We gonna hang his ass in Virginia. <laughs> That's what we gonna do. Yeah. Maybe Jefferson was trying to prove a point. I mean, it, again, this is a guy who clearly didn't like this guy. Oh yeah. Jefferson votes. used as much force as possible, but Burr was acquitted September first, eighteen o seven. Wow. He got acquitted for treason. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. And his hopes of a political comeback had been destroyed though. Like after all this stuff goes down, it's it's what are you gonna do? You know, I'm probably not gonna run for a second term. <laughs> I barely dodged that treason. I better I'm just gonna lay low for a while. You probably. know what? It'd probably be better just to have another duel. Yeah. <laughs> uh and like this kind of set a trend because like filibusters later on that went into like Cuba, uh, Spanish Florida, Spanish Texas, uh, Mexico even, they would all be acquitted by uh, jury trials usually because uh, you can do a thing called jury nullification, and that's where um, the jury just doesn't convict them. They just walk away from the trial pretty much. And a lot of jury, jury notifi- uh, nullifications happen in these kind of trials because America liked expanding. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> by any means possible. And actually, uh, a few years later, uh, a group of filibusters would go into uh, uh, the panhandle of of Spanish Florida and declare it the Republic of West Florida. And actually, the United States sent gunboats down there, and they told the Spanish, like, hey, we're going to send some boats down. We know we some of our people are screwing up around there, so we're going to try and stop them. And the U.S. Navy just sat there off the coast and watched it happen, and, like, the— the West uh, Re- Florida Republic actually, like, later became part of the United States, like, a few days after they declared themselves independent from Spain. Oh, wow. That's good. If this, <laughs> if this, if I could still do this, I would take over my neighborhood street and become emperor of it. <laughs> emperor, <laughs> emperor of your street. Just the street. That's it. And I'd force all my neighbors into slavery. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They'd be sh- I would never do something like that. You're like, listen, you're my slave. Um, I need you to mow my lawn. You need to do the laundry. Trim my bushes. I need you to work on my Call of Duty prestige score. <laughs> and I'm going to be over here making deals. Yeah, a lot of, uh, it's funny you said that because a lot of like later filibusters are from the South and they want to expand slavery. Like the real famous one is William Walker and he went to like Nicaragua and yeah. he tried to bring slavery back there. Because the Spanish wow. actually didn't really like slavery too much because it's uh, against like Catholic edicts. No, nah, it's oh. highly frowned upon. Yeah. So it, uh, same thing, Spanish uh, Texas, they didn't like slavery. So a lot of the filibusters were like Anglo-Americans coming in and trying to bring slavery back there. And all, all the Tejanos are like, nah, we're good. Yeah, we're cool, it's man. It's crazy how much yeah. like, people hated slavery and then how far it got into like America and like how yeah. long it went on for. I mean, if you, if you think back, I mean, slavery was just the new wave of indentured servitude. Yeah. Cause we, our entire country was built upon indentured servitude. We would have people coming over here literally working their lives away just because they didn't want to live in, you know, wherever else they yeah. had come from. Yeah. 
So from 1808 to 1812, Burr lived his life in self-imposed exile. Wandering around Europe, he spent most of his time in England, and then one day, Burr woke up with a great idea. The magic was back, and he decided (laughs) once again, maybe, just maybe, he could take over Mexico and become emperor. This dude wanted to be emperor of something <laughs> so bad. The, the, it's kind of funny that he wanted to be the emperor of Mexico so bad because uh, actually like uh, Cinco de Mayo is actually when the French tried to come over and take over Mexico and they appointed uh, some Austrian dude as the emperor of Mexico. Like, <laughs> I just missed my fucking me. chance. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so he, even the French tried to do it. Wow. That... There's a trendsetter. Uh, he solicited <laughs> funding for his plans now and was uh, ordered out of England because they're like, no, we're not doing this shit. <laughs> we tried this 100 years ago, bro. We're not doing it again. <laughs> and he asked Napoleon if he could come hang out with him over in France, but uh, he refused. I'm waiting on a call from a very important person. <laughs> Very important man. Some call him Napoleon. Good people. Great people. I don't know why Aaron Burr became Donald Trump, but I'm going to run with it. I'm waiting for him. We're going to get it. We're going to become emperor of Mexico. It's going to be terrific. The best emperor. So uh, Burr changed his surname to Edwards and made it back to New York City. With the help of a family he knew, he got his law career back on track, and they'd be kind of like a surrogate family for him. That he was living with, and he kind of, took, they took him in as their own. <laughs> well, what's going on with that guy out there? Well, I'm really hungry. I don't have any, you know, I, I, I just wanted to become emperor, but now I just, uh, you know, fall back on my law degree. You don't know. <laughs> just kind of hungry. Yeah, th- times were tough. I just had, I had to fall back on my law degree. Yeah, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> so Aaron's life was relatively, relatively peaceful in New York. He adopted two sons and remarried a widow who was 19 years younger than him and very, very rich. My man. He likes picking up other guys' save files. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. You know what's great about that? You know what you're working with. Yeah. You got everything right there. Now, this wife lent Burr money for land speculation, and, of course, he lost all her money not all of it but he lost a lot of it whatever she gave him he lost it can i have 50 (laughs) bucks for smokes (laughs) you don't need 50 dollars for cigarettes well i'm gonna go somewhere else as well just you know do do you want to know everything i just want the money yeah most founding fathers if they didn't lose their money during the war they lost it afterwards gambling on land speculation or some other stupid business venture i'm gonna buy land in the sky Let's buy some Skyland. I'm buying Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that online. You can buy like I a know. couple acres on the moon. You can really? buy stars. Oh, yeah, well, it's breaking a UN convention, but whatever. As long as my kids are taken care of. Yeah. yeah. As long <laughs> as they real have somewhere the to go, like, it's fine. So after only four months of this marriage, <laughs> she filed for divorce and called upon one Alexander Hamilton Jr., as her divorce lawyer. <laughs> oh, this dude can't win. This motherfucker can't win. He's like, who? He's on the phone with her. Who? Yeah. Alexander, who? Back for revenge. Oh, you can't. Get my gun. Get my gun. I'm dueling this. No, it's outlawed. I'm going to shoot Washington. He's dead too. God I'm damn it. i for a duel. What the fuck? And she had no money left, so how she was paying them, uh, no, I think them she, lawyer fees. No, she did not. She was still rich. I oh. think she just lost. Whatever he, whatever she gave him, he lost it all. So he Knowing, lost, he lost his allowance from his. Uh, yeah, he lost his allowance. <laughs> no, you know what? I know for a fact. I can. I'm a fly on the wall in this conversation. <laughs> I need to divorce my husband. Well, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, it's it's Aaron Burr. Oh, the motherfucker who shot my dad. I'll do this pro bono. I'll do it for free. What? Can we start right now? <laughs> I'm starting right now. Let's do this. You know about what? To be a clap back. Fuck a divorce. <laughs> I'll call for a duel. <laughs> Let's do this. Ten steps. I'll divorce him from his life. <laughs> so Burr's health was declining, and he died of a massive heart attack September 14th, 1836. And the day his life was finalized was the same day Hamilton Jr. finalized their divorce. 
<laughs> so he did. Yeah. <laughs> Toodles, baby. You may have won the duel, but I won the he's war. Like, he's yeah. like on his deathbed, like barely alive, and he's like, I'm still getting my divorce revenge on this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so he's still like got it done, and um, that's the life of Aaron Burr. What a friggin' dude. This yeah. guy, he wanted to be a president or an emperor or a king. <laughs> he wanted it so bad. Well, where are you going to go from vice president? He was just looking for a promotion. I guess so. Yeah. Just trying to <laughs> break that glass ceiling. And he couldn't be president, so the only other step is to uh, become emperor. I, that's how Star Wars started. Yeah, maybe he ran out of widows, and he was like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> uh, I think he, if he lived a little bit longer, he would have definitely tried to become emperor again. Oh, yeah. Like, but living in New York with his law practice and stuff, like, something would have triggered in his mind one day, and he would have, like, took up a different name and tried to take over the world. My name is Palpatine, <laughs> and I'm going to create a massive <laughs> fortress that will shoot anywhere from anywhere. You know what? I'll just make a castle shaped like a ball that has a laser on it and, like, take over. I have these terrific troops. They're terrific. They're, ter <laughs> they're all white armor. You all pristine. 100 of them. All 100. They never miss. They don't blend in with the uh, surroundings at all. I know, like shooting <laughs> traffic cones. So uh, I want to thank all our listeners. Thanks for uh, coming on this little journey with us, with Aaron Burr. I want to thank our sources, um, eyewitnessthehistory.com, Dawn, history.com, Burr's notorious treason case, uh, Britannica.com, and uh, there's a book, The Burr Conspiracy by James E. Lewis Jr. I want to thank all them. Again, thank our listeners. It's been awesome. And uh, stay tuned for the next week. What do you guys say? Uh, nothing much, guys. I'm hyped to be back. I feel like <laughs> now that we've finally gotten this hiatus out of the way, I'm ready to go full force, man. I'm ready for the next episode. So thanks for joining us. As always, we are the fate. Fight the fate. The frog and the fly. We're going to edit it and pick whichever one we like the most. I got, I'm Mike Mack. I'm Mike Bonomo. I'm Sean Klein. Have a great day, guys. guys. See you later.